Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Camp Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Welcome back to Field Notes, and this is our 12th episode, which means we've been doing this now for three months, and the response has been just short of incredible. I mean, it's been amazing. Um, listeners all over the world, um, dozens of countries, um, states all over the United States. And I just want to thank you again for uh, supporting this podcast and being a part of it. Today we pick up in John 3.14 and we look at verses 14 and 15 and then we get into John 3.16, that most famous verse, and we'll talk about the wideness of God's love Let's go right into our Bibles. John 3, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, give us wisdom, give us understanding, Let us hear your word today and let us understand it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The wonderful thing about God's promise in John 3.16 is the wideness of it. It is a universal promise, which means that anyone who hears the gospel can be saved. And saved means salvation both from hell, that's God's mercy, And salvation to heaven, that's God's grace. Mercy is God not giving you what you deserve, and we all deserve hell because we're all sinners falling short of the glory of God. And grace is God giving us what we don't deserve, and that is heaven. So salvation has those two parts to it. Anyone who believes and calls on the name of the Lord, anyone who accepts the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, anyone who uh, calls on God to be their father, Anyone who hears the gospel can be saved, and salvation is salvation from hell and salvation to heaven. So I want us to look at the love of God today and look at how broad his love is. The fact that it is for all people at all times. And we're going to go through a lot of Bible verses this week. We're going to read a ton of Bible verses and find out what the Bible says about the depth the width, the height of God's love. So in John 3, 14, John, uh, Jesus is still talking to Nicodemus. Uh, he's just had his little conversation with him, and Jesus is about to say some very profound things. And he, he begins this, this section by saying this, as Moses, was lift, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So here Jesus is foreshadowing his method of sacrifice. Uh, that he would be lifted up. You remember the story of Moses and the serpent, the children of Israel were all being bitten by snakes and, and dying from the poison, and God told Moses, make a brazen serpent, put it on a pole, lift it up, and anybody who will look up to it, they'll be cured. And to this day, we use a serpent on a pole 
uh, as a symbol for medical practice. Uh, and that was their that was their medicine. And Jesus said, just in the same way that that pole was lifted up, and everybody who wanted to be healed had to look up to it. I'm going to be lifted up between heaven and earth, and anybody who wants salvation is going to have to look up to the cross. It's going to have to see me on the cross. It's going to have to accept the the grace that that I'm offering there. And he says, verse 15, foreshadowing what he's going to say in verse 16, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so Jesus gives a qualifier here, though. He says, you know, uh, I'm going to be lifted up, and people are going to look to me, uh, and everybody can get saved, but only those who believe will not perish. Only those who believe will have eternal life. Belief is the qualification. And that qualification goes over into the next most famous verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I don't know if you know this, but I was a reporter in a past life uh, back in the 80s. I worked in radio news and for the Associated Press and such. And, and, and a good reporter always looks into the who, what, when, where, why, and how. All the, the, you know, the, the W's and the H. And so I wanted to take John 3.16 and break that down for you real quick. The who is God. For God. The what is loved. For God so loved. The how is he, how much did he love us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He offered his own son as a sacrifice for our sins. The why, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The why is so that we who believe can escape hell and gain heaven. And then there's a when and where implied in there. The when is today. Scripture says today is the day of salvation, and the where is right where you are. Right where you are, you can get saved today. There's no need for you to wait for a Sunday, no need for you to wait to be in a certain place, to be in a certain chapel or a certain cathedral or certain thing like that. You can meet God right there where you are right now. He's searching for you. And so God's love demonstrated here, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. That's the demonstration of God's love. He loved us so much he gave his own son to be the propitiation, to be the substitutionary sacrifice, to be the satisfaction needed to, to pay for our sins, to redeem us from uh, the sin curse. What a wonderful love. It's a pitiful love. It really is a pitiful love. Think of this, Job seven seventeen. What is man? that thou shouldest magnify him, and that thou shouldest set thine heart above upon him. Who are we that God should love us so much that he would let his own son die in our place? Who are we? We're nothing. Uh, we are the pinnacle of his creation, yes, but in comparison to him, we're still nothing. We're not worthy of his love. But Psalm 103.13 says, Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. He loves us even though we are sinners. Romans 5.8 But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
He loved us before we became lovely. Before we became lovable, he loved us. You hear people all the time say, well, I can't get to church until I clean myself up. You can't clean yourself up to get to church. You just can't do it. I have to clean myself up before I can go to church. No, you can't clean yourself up. Only God can clean you up. And he loves you the way you are. He loves you as dirty as you are right now. He loves you. He doesn't want you to stay that way, but he loves you. And he commends his love towards you in that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. It's a pitiful love. It's a drawing love. He draws us to himself. He asks us to accept his gift of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. He loves you so much that he pulls you to himself. He puts his son on a cross between heaven and earth and he, and he hung him in, at, the, at the peak of history. And, and the Old Testament prophets were looking forward to that day and today we look back towards that day and as the, the time was split in two by Jesus Christ. He loves us so much that he did this so he could draw us to him. Jeremiah 31.3 The Lord hath appeared unto old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness I have drawn thee. He draws us. He pulls us to him. But not all that are called are, are respond. And God knows that. Not everybody goes to heaven. Not everybody that hears the gospel message, not everybody that feels a little tug from the Holy Spirit in their heart responds to that. And some who claim to have responded have not really, because they haven't even been drawn to him yet. There are a lot of folks out there who've sat in churches for years and have gone through religious rituals and have said certain prayers and everything, but the Holy Spirit has never pulled upon their heart because their heart has never been open to it. 1 Corinthians 12.2 Ye know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I gave you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. How many people call themselves a Christian, a child of God, and say things, do things that basically curse God? And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. You have to have the Holy Spirit pulling upon you, the Holy Ghost pulling you in, in order for you to even call Jesus Lord. Because he has to pull you in so he can give you the gift of faith. Romans uh, 12.3 God hath given to every man the measure of faith. Faith is a gift from God so that you can respond. It's a pitiful love. It's a drawing love. It's a searching love. Listen to Matthew 18, verse 11. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go into the mountains and seek after that which has gone astray? And if so be he finds it, he verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety-nine which were not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that any of these little ones should perish. God doesn't want anyone to die and go to hell. Not a single person. God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. He's not slack in his promises, some men think he's slack. He's not willing that any should perish. He made a way, and he's searching for you. 
And if he's found you and you've responded, the beautiful thing about this is his searching doesn't stop. His love doesn't stop. He still searches. He never lets go of his promise to keep you and to love you. Hebrews 13.5. Listen to this. Let your conversation, your walk, the way you handle yourself in your life be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Your life might go through some hard times. And I guarantee you it will go through some hard times, whether you're a Christian or not. And sometimes, especially if you're a Christian, you're going to go through hard times. But in those hard times, don't get discouraged. Don't get upset. It's not that he's left you. He hasn't left you. He will never leave you. He hasn't forsaken you. He'll never forsake you. He wants you to be content with what you have. Because what you have, if you're a child of God, is him. And that's enough for any of us. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. If you trust him, he has so much for you. So much for you. His love is pitiful, it's drawing, it's searching. And if you've responded to him, it's expanding. The amazing thing about salvation, folks, is that it's only the beginning. As much as God loved you to send you his son to die for you, accepting that and receiving his loving gift of salvation is just the tip of the iceberg. He wants to expand his love in your life. He wants to do so much more for you than you could ever think, dream, imagine. He wants to expand your thinking and increase your understanding and give you good gifts and show you his love and his mercy throughout your life. He wants to give you wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He wants to give you so much. Listen to what Jesus said the night of his betrayal. John chapter 14. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said unto him, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said, If a man love me and keep my words, my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him this is jesus beginning to teach how the he's going to leave and the holy spirit's going to come the father and the son come unto the believer through the holy spirit he he he, i hear people say if only i had been around at the time jesus was around my faith would be so much stronger no it wouldn't no it wouldn't you have two things that the disciples did not have while Jesus was walking on the earth. You have what Peter says in his first epistle, a more sure word of prophecy. You have the completed Bible at your fingertips. You have the completed, pure, full, undefiled word of God at your disposal. And you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you if you're saved. 
You don't need to be standing looking at Jesus in the face to have more faith. You have him dwelling in your heart. Jesus said, John 16, 27, For if the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. The Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and believed that I came out from God. And when you believe that, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and things change. Maybe maybe you don't get a better job. Maybe you don't get better health. Maybe you don't get a better relationship with other people. I don't know what. Maybe the thing that you're desperately wanting never happens. But you have God. And you have so much more waiting for you. I've been teaching the Marines here these past few weeks on Tuesday nights about in Proverbs about wisdom and things. And one of the things we talked about is that you got to understand something. You know, we get 70 years on this earth and anything past that's the grace of God. That's what Scripture says. But if we live to 110, 120, that's still a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. This life is just preparation for the life to come. And what is coming for us is so much greater than what we can see, think, hear, understand, dream. Romans 3, uh, 8, 31, 32, and 38 and 39. Listen to this. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? He didn't spare his son. He gave his son. He, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If he get, did not spare his son, but delivered him up for you and I, how shall he not also freely give us all things? Don't be a mealy-mouthed Christian. Poor, poor, pitiful me. Walking around going, well, bless God, I guess this is all I get in this life. No! Trust God. Believe God. And if he doesn't give you all things in this life, he's going to give you all things in the next. Listen to verse 38 of Romans chapter 8. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing will ever separate you from God's love. And our hearts can't imagine what he's got prepared for us. There are so many things he has prepared for us. And he wants to give us freely all things. It's an expanding love. And praise God, it's a love for everyone. For God so loved the world, everybody in it, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, anyone who believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Some will tell you that anyone can be saved, and that anyone saved can walk away from that salvation. Others will tell you that God preordained who could and couldn't get saved. Now, which one's right? Neither. And both. They're both right and they're both wrong. You see, the sovereignty of God and the free will of men are parallel tracks. We walked the track of free will all of our life until 
we met God until the Holy Spirit came up beside us and he tapped us on the shoulder and he drew us to himself and then suddenly a transfer track appeared and we got transferred over onto the track of the sovereignty of God. That's salvation. Free will, I'm unsaved and God taps on my shoulders and I decide whether or not I'm going to step over onto his track. That, that's the free will of man. But once I step over onto his track, I am on the track of the sovereign will of God and there's no way to get off of it. Revelation twenty two seventeen. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Matthew sixteen twenty five. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Whosoever. Mark 8.34 Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whosoever can come after Jesus. John 4.14 But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Whosoever wants to can drink of this water. But the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Acts 2.21 And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10.13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 10.43 To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. 1 John 4.15 Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. So whosoever. Anyone can get saved. But once they get saved, they're saved. There's no getting off that bus. There's no getting off that track. You are there. You are stuck. You are in it. You're there for good. Because you might go back on your promise, but God never does. You might go back on your promise, folks. But God never does. You make a covenant with God, break it. But God won't break it. God made covenant after covenant with Israel. Israel broke the covenant again and again and again. God has never broken his covenant with Israel, and he will fulfill his covenant with Israel. That's what the rapture and the tribulation are all about. God gets the church out of here in the rapture so that he can, in the tribulation, deal with Jacob. Deal with Israel. Because he made a covenant with them, and he's not going to go back on that covenant. Even if they broke it, he won't break it. And when you make a covenant with God, when you say, God, I accept the death of burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins, when I, be- I believe those things, and I, I, I accept it, and I, I want you to save me, he saves your soul. He makes a covenant with you. You make a covenant with him. You can try to break it all you want, but he'll never break his covenant with you. Never. John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man, not even yourself, is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. You can't even take yourself out of the Father's hand. Once he's got you in his hand, he's never letting go. Isn't that good? Now, that's not a license to sin. It's not a license to go out and do anything you want. Because if you're truly saved, you won't have that desire. You won't want to do those things. 
You'll have a new heart. You'll have a new wanter, as the old preachers used to say. You'll want to do different things. But isn't it good to know that once you're saved, you're saved. And you can't, you can try to go back on it, but God will never go back on his promise to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's an old hymn in our hymn books called There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. I just wanted to read you three stanzas from that, and I'm going to finish today. Listen to this old hymn of the faith. There's a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in his justice, which is more than liberty. There is welcome for the sinner and more graces for the good. There's mercy with the Savior. There's healing in his blood. For the love of God is broader than the measure of our minds, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you, so that if you will believe in him, you'll never perish, but have everlasting life. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.